We huddle into outer space and navigate the ocean floor. Looking in and looking out, life was meant for more. Shapes to girls, shapes sisters with intrepid hosts, Andre and Azariah. Shapes to girls, shapes diving deeper and flying higher. Shapes to girls, shapes to Hi there, and welcome to this episode of The Shapeshifters. The Shapeshifters, here we are again. So this time we're going to be looking at the topic of mental health, and one of the reasons we got onto this <clears throat> is because we're interested in it anyway, mm. but uh, we read an article recently by uh, Paul Kirby uh, called On Mental Health, and we'll, we'll try and post this up onto our site yeah. uh, if, you, if you guys want to listen, sorry, uh, look at that in more depth. So, mental health... What is it? Yeah. What is mental health? I think that a lot of the current perception of mental health is something to do with being very unwell, actually. Mm. And so, I think, perhaps when we think of what does mental health mean, ideas and words come up, like schizophrenia, maybe, bipolar disorder, depression... I think it's something that we feel afraid of so I think yesterday I was on the bus um, with my two eldest children and there was um, a, a wheelchair a wheelchair user um, who had some mental health challenges in that she was she was shouting out um, and laughing sporadically Brian. and she's there with a carer and then there's another <coughs> gentleman who's on the bus who I know because um, uh, who has some mental health uh difficulties and so he was finding it very distressing that this lady who's on the bus was shouting out so he started shouting at her and telling her to shut up right and the carer started shouting at him no you shut up she's got a right to express herself yeah so then he's going oh shut up i want some peace and she's you shut up so he just had this unusual cacophony of noise and everyone in the bus felt uncomfortable and my <laughs> kids were saying you know what's going on and then eventually, and the guy then got off the bus because you know he had the presence of mind to take himself away from the situation. I think that that goes to the this idea that there's disruption involved, yeah. and that somehow mental health issues yeah. are <clears throat> disrupting the normal pattern of life. So on yes. the bus, yeah. the normal pattern of being quiet, and this was presumably a London bus, was it? It's a London bus. So yeah. everyone tends to be a bit quiet, absolutely, and not You're, talk. Well, there's a mum behind with some kids, and she's saying, "Don't stare, don't stare." You know, there's this thing of don't engage. So, so not only don't speak, but don't look either. No. And no. That, maybe that reflects the reactions that we often have to mental health, is don't yeah. speak about it, don't look at it, yeah. don't engage with it. It's an invisible, inaudible issue. Mm. Um, so, but we ignore what's right there in front of us, and I think we ignore what's within us as well. I think all mm. of us, um, at different points, um, have stronger and sometimes weaker mental health. Well, this is it. I, I uh, used to be a, a mental health nurse, actually, right back at the beginning of my career when I started out. And I worked in one of these hospitals that were essentially asylums and uh, probably built in the Victorian age. Mm. And they had their own farms, they had their own laundry, they had their own 
kind of micro-economy going mm. on, really. But one of the things about it being an asylum seemed to be that not only was it a place to get away from the world, it was a place where the world could get away from the mental health issues by putting them behind a wall. And I remember there was a quite a high wall around this uh, institution so that it, it wasn't quite like a prison, but it was a bit like those people are behind the wall and therefore we don't have to engage with it, a bit like the people on the bus. Yeah, out of sight because you're out of mind. Out of mind, yeah. Yeah. And <clears throat> that's out of your mind. Out of your mind, and yet, as you say, we all have kind of some kind of mental health disturbances at some point in our lives. It's, in fact, I would say part of normal living, yeah. really. But we, uh, we often do kind of categorise as a society people having these more extreme or florid types of mental health issues and put them over in the corner. The problem, in, uh, certainly in the UK, has been in the last sort of 30, 40 years is that the provision for mental health has actually decreased and a lot of these old hospitals have closed down and been sold off and turned into property development usually and therefore with people being cared for in the community as it were people tend to go underground and provision becomes much more patchy so what we have now is a situation where people tend to be in a terrible state by the time they reach services or the health service and even then don't necessarily get looked after so i think it's a bit of a postcode lottery I worked on a group of housing estates for six years and one of the ways in which we were able to get funding was that there was a higher level of uh, mental health uh, challenges for people that live there. However, I'm now working in, um, um, in a place which is uh, in the suburbs of London and people also have mental health challenges. However, people I've spoken to are able to afford to pay for therapy, to pay for um, support, um, one or two are able to pay for private rehabilitation, you know, so executives, consultants, they're able to take two weeks out, um, work just sort of give them the nod, and they get themselves sorted out, they pay for it themselves, and then they're back to work. And so uh, they're able to, to nip it in the bud, deal with it, they're able to provide uh, for uh, childcare and other things so that their lives can continue yep. without them in it and then they're able to, to slot back in almost unnoticed but it's hidden because they have the resources to get the help more quickly as you say it's kind of postcode lottery or zip code lottery for our friends in America where it seems like it depends on not just where you are but possibly your own economic situation as well as to whether the provision will be there and whether you can afford it. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I work as a... I've worked in the private sector mm. in the UK as in the mental health sector and still have a private practice as a therapist. And I would say that one of the issues is that people can't afford it generally. And it's not just the financial expense of, of therapy, it's the time that it takes out of people's lives as well. Yeah. Um, to kind of travel there, spend however long, usually an hour, and then come back again. It's quite a chunk out of people's day. And in an urban environment, particularly, people really are rushing around too much to do that. Yeah. So I think one of the 
one of the things this article really got me thinking about, I suppose, was about prevention rather than cure, because so much of what's being provided is is really only engaged with when people have identified themselves or someone else has as being in a pretty bad state. But how about if we could provide a kind of method or way of looking after ourselves, looking after each other, that's effective but doesn't take lots of time and money and addresses... And for me, I think it would have to address mind, body, spirit rather than... What tends to happen, in my experience, is people will focus on one thing but not the others. So you might have, like I go to the gym and I think a lot of the people I see at the gym, um, probably that's their main form of self-care, is going and working out at the gym. And it does make you feel better and it does, uh, it's been proven to reduce things like depression even, but that's not the only thing. And so we also need to think about things like sleep, diet, rest, and that kind of rhythm of life pattern, as well as how we think and how we still ourselves down. I think that's difficult, isn't it? Because so many of us are so distracted by so many things. Mm. It feels like health, with all the different components that you mentioned, feels like, well, how do I, how do I add in all these different things into my busy, stressed life? Yeah. You know, and pressured life, and it feels um, it, it feels like a, a nice thing one day, but not something that feels attainable now. Do you have any thoughts on how we can yeah. to make those steps towards? It feels like somehow we need a more of an integrated approach, don't we? Yeah, I think that um, in this prevention rather than cure landscape, that one of the things that I've been thinking about recently is the importance of daily meditation and prayer. Now, by that, what I mean is um, I've been trying out a thing called the Jesus Prayer, which is really coming from an Orthodox, um, Eastern Orthodox sort of perspective. Oh, I wondered about the beard. Yeah, I am now wearing a long cloak and a beard (laughs) and a very long hat as well. Um, (laughs) I think I'm joking. (laughs) I didn't think anyone noticed, actually, but you've actually picked it up. (laughs) And um, the thing about this is it's just repeating a mantra, basically, which is one line. And the mantra could be different for for different people, but it's something that kind of reminds us that we are connected to something bigger. Uh, It could be God, the universe, what's beyond us. We often feel disconnected, and I think disconnection is part of our fragmented lifestyle often. So for me, I've been thinking, what about if we, we could do something or, or, or something could be constructed whereby a little bit of a pattern is put into life on a daily basis mm. that's easy to do and doesn't take too long. For me, this, this pattern I'm talking about takes probably five minutes. Yeah. So it's really short. Uh, and it's just repeating a line which is uh, asking God for help, basically, mm-hmm. with my day. But it's the same line over and over again. And then <clears throat> I do feel a bit kind of more connected with, not just with God, but with myself by the end of it, and in a better position to start going into the day. Mm-hmm. But these things don't um, need to take a, a long time, necessarily. 
they just kind of orientate us differently yes. to, to the days we lead. Yes. I was listening to an interview recently with someone who uh, was talking about the ability to focus and to choose the things you want to do with life. And he simply said, there are three hurdles we need to overcome if we want to even begin to get onto this journey. And the first one is our biology. Um, so he said, if you're wanting to focus, get the most out of life, in this context we're saying I have good strong mental health you need to be aware of of your physical needs so if you're seeking to focus to read, to write, to create something mm. a project for work uh, planning a date uh, thinking about what you're going to do with your kids at the weekend whatever it is if you're just aware of how hungry you are how horny you are, how itchy you are whatever, that, that can easily overstimulate you and, mm. and and take away <coughs> your sense of agency. Mm. The second hurdle is psychology. If we're in the wrong frame of mind to begin with, mm. we're not going to get much done. Mm. And then geography, which I thought mm. was an interesting one. Mm. So the environment around you has to be conducive to, um, to doing the thing you need to do. And it got me thinking, uh, when I was doing some research, I went to the British Library. And sitting in the reading rooms of the British Library, all of a sudden I just felt... Um, my mind, you know, I just felt like I had all these wonderful, these wonderful minds around me in the books and in the people, and somehow it lifted, you know, it felt my IQ was just like notching up, and I felt able mm. to quickly get into it. Mm. I did a day's tour with a team a year or so ago, went to the headquarters of Innocent Smoothies, and that was incredible, because when you got there, it was beautiful, bright and airy, and they had a, a phrase which was, we want our, um, our team to leave the building feeling better than when they arrived in the building. Yeah. And so they did so many things within the environment. So you could, there was a fridge full of innocent smoothies. You could get as many as you wanted all day long. There was a breakfast bar. There was table football and table tennis. And people could just take a break from work and, and do what they needed to do. There were floors that had quiet pods for those that wanted to do introverted work. There were floors that had like lawn and people like playing um, crazy golf um, while they're going around and talking through ideas. And so the, the environment was set up to bring the best out of us. Yeah. And I think the estates I worked on, I can think of a family of six living in a small two-bedroom place. That wasn't a place that was conducive for them to do their best work. That's, that's interesting that, <clears throat> that it's finding a place that's conducive to doing something new and switching from probably our default pattern which may be to be anxious or to be overstressed or to um i suppose in our in our society use other forms of self-medication like alcohol drugs pornography whatever it might be um and i think there's something that you could call it a switch maybe that is easier to switch over when people are kind of just in their everyday lives rather than when people have really kind of got into issues with a, a diagnosed mental health problem it's much harder then I think to switch anything or to change ways of operating and thinking Is that just the, simply the strength of the label is a, is a trap for them in a it's, way? It, yeah I really think it's the strength of the label but also th thinking creatively and thinking imaginatively can sometimes be harder when medication has been uh, sort of factored into people's lives um, so when we're thinking about prevention going back to that I think yeah definitely geography 
uh, being in a conducive environment and practicing this thing that I would describe as switch and a switch could be switching the story that we're telling about who we are and what's going on and <clears throat> if I might uh, put in a like a process here I think part of it is sort of being in touch with our bodies physically and that could be stretching out we've talked on uh, another podcast about Amy Cuddy's work on power poses and uh, taking almost a superhero pose and standing kind of more upright and breathing. This instantaneously does rather change the way we feel. But then there's also the mindfulness practice of being aware of what's happening within us. But I think there's a third stage or a third part to this, which I call story swapping. And story swapping is becoming not just aware of our kind of physicality or what's going on for us, but identifying where we're kind of stuck in a story, usually negative stories based on fears and worries about this is going to happen or what if this did happen. And story swapping is simply being aware of that for the first start and then swapping it for perhaps an alternate story. So what if that didn't happen? What if things didn't go wrong today? What if I went to work and it was a successful day at the end of it rather than feeling that it didn't work out? And then that's where we can start to get into sort of a bit of visualisation mm. around how it might be if things weren't just replaying the old story. Now that's not to say that things would necessarily all be fine, but it would put us in a better state of mind to approach the day to begin with. Community helps with this as well, doesn't it? So yeah. there is <coughs> there was a German pastor theologian called Dietrich Bonhoeffer and he uh, let's see if I get the quote right, he says something like if you um, like being alone, seek company. If you like being in company, seek solitude. And he was seeking to get us to uh, to stretch ourselves, to get out of our comfort zones and recognise uh, the power of both yeah. good solitude because to be by yourself doesn't mean that you feel lonely, um, you know, but it's learning to be comfortable in your own space, uh, with your own thoughts buzzing around. Mm -hmm. um, and, but when you have that, to learn how to be with people, <coughs> how to compromise, how to share. Mm. If you move into a, a student house, for example, if you moving with your partner all of a sudden it changes the dynamic and you have to begin to negotiate and that sort of thing which is also um, good for you uh, I can think of times when I have um, uh, been depressed going through a tough time a difficult season in life and I've had to actively force myself to find friends to ring people up and say can I come and hang out I'm not going to be much good company um, but can I just be there mm. and I remember one time, a friend of mine, um, he was living in the UK, he was in Bristol, and I was down in Birmingham, which is a, a few hours, a fair few hours on the motorway, and he had got a, a mutual friend of ours who, to, who lived in Birmingham to say, oh, let's, let's meet up this evening. He knew that I'd broken up with a girlfriend many years ago, and, and so I went to meet up with this friend, this mutual friend of Richard and I's. And then Richard was there, and there were about half a dozen of, of my friends that he'd organised to come oh, nice. um, to the centre of Birmingham, all the way from Bristol. Mm. 
for the travel for hours Whoa. to meet me, take me out for a meal, <clears throat> and to simply express love for me and support for me mm. through this tough time I was going through. Yeah. And I think cool. when you're feeling vulnerable, you often want to hide away yeah. from company. Um, but actually, trusting strong friendships <coughs> are a real route to healing. I think there's something in that about balance that um, what you're describing is that we can become unbalanced in both directions, either being isolated or being kind of away from ourselves. <clears throat> and a lot of, um, I suppose, a lot of health uh, models, models of health, are really to do with balance and, and keeping balance. Um, I don't do it much these days, but I used to do Tai Chi, and Tai Chi is very much, like I suppose martial arts are, very based on this idea of balance. And finding a kind of place of poise between two movements, uh, things are always kind of moving, but there's also this sense of balance that you go forward, you go back, you go to the side, you go to the other side, you go up, you go down. There's balance in all of the dimensions and directions. And, yeah, I think for me, I mean, I've had... Uh, I've seen a therapist and been through sort of therapy over a few years. And for me, I think my balance point was that I was certainly becoming too isolated. And so even just talking to somebody and, and hear it being heard kind of recalibrated that balance and made it easier for me to talk to other people as well. But I think whatever it is for us, one of the preventative things we can do is think about how's the balance in our lives? Are we really overdoing it in one area and underdoing it in another area? Um, and it's not just the work-life balance which people often talk about. It could be the sort of exercise-eating balance, you know, yeah. or anything like that. Okay, yeah. so, yeah, this is really very interesting. Uh, I, I think we may come back to some of these uh, ideas and mental yeah. health is you know it's always with us isn't it it really is I just think even simple things that have helped me is uh, simply the power of breathing I recently had a uh, a church service that was a guest service and I could tell lots of people there didn't really want to be there um, they were there because we invited the local school choir yeah. and they were there for their kids but they'd rather be in a coffee shop somewhere reading the newspaper yeah and we'd had a service like that a few months before and I really felt a sense of resistance and you know kind of hurry this up please you know mm. let's get back to normal life so what I did I simply did some breathing and stretching exercises with them to begin with and so I said I'd like us all just take a big breath in and another one out that's going to help us to really sing out the hymns right, let's do another one and another one that's going to help us in our conversations so we'll meet one another and I did that three times. And then I said, all right, we're going to pray now. So I need to stretch up and to God, stretch out to each other, stretch out into the world. And there was a distinct, immediate difference and a release of energy in the room and people being on board. Mm. And it was, it was an accidental finding, but it was, ah, yes, this is good. Yeah. Because we dealt with people's you know, biology and psychology and, and so they were there. But, yeah, I think what what's great about that is you did link the physical and the psychological and the spiritual yeah. all together in one yeah. one movement, yeah. really, uh -huh. yeah. so that you kind of hit all the bases yeah. at once. Oh, well, there we go. 
Det er skægt. Det går jeg ikke Well, we find these by accident, don't we? <laughs> Absolutely. So, so let's keep doing it. Let's keep it. But having that, yeah, that sense of, of simplicity in life and and knowing that we can choose. We don't need to feel helpless. Yeah, we can choose, we can switch, and we can balance. Yeah. Great. Bye-bye. Bye. Shapes and girls. Shapes and girls.